Hello, everybody. This is Big Law, Lawrence Johnson, and welcome to Locked On Virginia Cavaliers podcast, your first place to come to get your Wahoo fix every day. Could the Wahoos have an early Christmas coming up? Today, I have Jackie Franchuli with me today from Wahoos 247. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On Virginia, your daily podcast on the Virginia Cavaliers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Like I said, I'm back at it. Big Law, Jackie Franchuli in the building on the air here on Locked On. She is of Wahoos 247. Of course, the date is 12. 21 2022 and today is pretty much like christmas and it has turned into a little bit of a christmas uh miracle i think for the university of virginia uh but yes before we get any further let me go ahead and let jackie get on the mic here jackie how are you doing today tired (laughs) tired i think that sums up how this uh signing period kind of ended it was kind of like a little bit of a rush for Virginia. Not only did they have quite, you know, the few weeks picking up a lot of commitments, but man, it was kind of like whiplash with a couple of these uh, recruits that they were after. Uh, at one point, one of the commits looked like we we're going to be on flip watch for signing day, and then bam, a boomerang right back, and Virginia uh, was firmly the team to beat again. So it was uh, quite the entertainment. Well, I can tell you, um, th- this has always this has been something of a huge concern for me just for the simple fact that I really had no idea how this team and how this coach and how this staff would recover from not only the bad year, because there's been a ton of rumblings, which we can probably touch on here in a little bit, but also just the tragedy also compounding the issues uh, of of what's been going on. And uh, if anybody doesn't know, if you're looking for the top person to follow on uh, anything, Virginia recruiting, Please follow this young lady right here, uh, Jackie French. So, Jackie, let everybody know where you're from, who you know, who you are, and, and what and what you do uh, on the grounds here at the University of Virginia. Yeah, sure. So, I cover uh, the Virginia athletics program, but a lot of it I do is covering the recruiting side. I do cover the team as well, football and basketball, but I do cover a lot of the recruiting. Um, so, I cover for Wahoo's 24/7. So, it's part of the 24/7 Sports Network. So um, a lot of people come up to me and they say, I know you from Twitter. That's probably where you know me from. I tweet. <laughs> my husband says I live on Twitter uh, with, a, with a lot of updates. So, yeah, so my, my job entails uh, interviewing recruits, trying to figure out who's uh, trending towards Virginia, who's trending away from Virginia, um, you know, with the transfer portal, trying to figure out which targets UVA is after. Uh, Coach Elliott and his staff have a very meticulous thought process when it comes to how they handle recruitments. It's not, they don't really cast a wide net when it comes to offers. So when you're looking at them, you tend to not know when a kid is on their board until they are offered and possibly even commit uh, in the next like week or so. So we try our best to work our sources to kind of figure out which kids they're evaluating. So you, you get to know them like a, a couple months ahead of time rather than just kind of rush the process of here's an offer they're going to commit. It's almost like when they open up the transfer portal, your workload probably doubled or tripled, uh, you know, based yes. off of just having the recruiting, you know, high school kids. All right. That's cool. That's cute. 
But then when they started opening up this transfer portal and you had to truly track, you know, all the young men that are want to come or leave, that, that just had to be just a daunting task for you uh, moving forward here. Yeah, so this is much different covering the portal than it is to cover a high school recruit because most high school recruits will still publicly let you know when you have an offer through any other social media platforms. A lot of transfers like to keep the stuff kind of within themselves. Um, they mm -hmm. also don't like to talk about visits as much. So you're relying on your sources to let you know. So for instance, Kobe Pace, you know, we've reported on visitors and Kobe Pace, a Clemson running back transfer that committed and then signed his grand name paperwork that Virginia announced today. He was one that we had heard of a Clemson athlete visiting Virginia. Obviously, there's a couple of number. Obviously, there's one particular Clemson athlete that's currently in the transfer portal that might have been connected to Tony Elliott. So we had heard a Clemson athlete had visited, but we couldn't pay, put like our finger on it. So we were kind of hunting and talking to sources. And we eventually found out it was Kobe Pace. So we knew they were wanting to add a running back. Um, so we we were we had our nose to the ground, but it took a long time to confirm that because Kobe wasn't talking. Obviously, Virginia wants to keep that visit a quiet visit quiet, so that's why we didn't really hear about it. We just knew bits and pieces. So it's really it's it really is kind of like an investigative. You're kind of being a detective to try to figure out what's going on. And sometimes you know a coach might see a player in person, but they're just still evaluating that guy because Tony Elliott needs to approve him. So sometimes even those are false flags. Sometimes you can talk to a guy for like maybe like a week or two, like linebacker Ryan Selig, who eventually ended up in Minnesota. Virginia was talking to him for a while, never offered because they felt they already had enough linebackers in this class. Mm -hmm. But they were interested just in case. So, again, that's that's something that um, you just kind of have to kind of weed through all the all the noise and try to figure out what's what. And that's the difference between the portal, because not only programs are secretive the guys in the portal are secretive. So, and then you get told so many things and you're just trying to figure out, okay, what's what. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're talking about players like uh, uh, Cody Pace, uh, to me, it seems like he's the officially the first Clemson person to come over. Uh, with well, if, if you don't count the staff, you know, if you don't count the staff that he brought over right. from Clemson, yeah, he's, he's the first uh, official player that, has come from them, and uh, it's it's shocking that it, that it took this while uh, this long for that mm -hmm. to happen. But I think him and Dabo's uh, relationship kind of prevented any other athlete to come along that quickly. I think mm -hmm. just the fact that Kobe went into the portal by himself um, mm -hmm. because of the deep running back room allowed this transition from one school to the other to happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because that was that was something that I was you know questioning. I was like surprised that. We haven't had many other or, or some, you know, just some, you know, Clemson Tigers come over, you know, and try to, you know, you know, put put their chops out here and see if they can uh, uh, transition with uh, Coach Elliott coming over, being that there's a lot of high end, high quality players that are sitting, you know, on the Clemson uh, bench. But but yeah, but so so let's do this. Let's kind of get into. The recruits. Let's, since this is National Recruiting Sign-Up Day, uh, the first, the first one, uh, let's get into who recruit, uh, who committed out of the recruits, and which recruits to really watch out for. Some of the higher caliber ones as well. Well, actually, on actual signing day, Virginia picked up two of their biggest signees. Um, Cameron Robinson actually is the high, most highly rated guy on this class. He's a four-star 
on 24-7 sports. Now that he's been committed to Virginia since the summer, Florida State and South Carolina came here late in the game, and they were trying to flip him. And honestly, last week after his Florida State official, we were monitoring if he was going to flip the FSU. And kudos to Virginia linebackers coach Clint Sintum. And yes, Tony Elliott and a lot of the staff and recruiting staff did well, but Clint Sintum was the main recruiter here. He was the primary guy, and he fought off FSU and an SSC program like South Carolina and Cameron as, you know, what, like 30, 40 minutes ago, sent in his letter of intent and confirmed his commitment. And that's a huge win because not only are you getting a four star, but you're getting the top 10 player in the state of Virginia, which they haven't done very much the last few years. So you're trying to cement that and take back the state. He's, you know, lives an hour for an hour and a half from Charlottesville. So you want to keep those great players in state, not let them go away. And he's going to be a guy that could have an early impact on this team. And according to a source of Virginia, what they were telling him was, you know, you, you were not recruiting you as one of the linebackers in this class. We're recruiting you as the guy. You're the dude. You're the guy we can build a program around. And that's how important Cameron Robinson is to this class. And then even today, they picked up another talented athlete, Sudarian Harrison, a slot receiver out of South Carolina. He's actually from Lavelle Davis's high school, Woodland High School in South Carolina. He committed today. Virginia won out against Louisville, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma. Again, a lot of good Power 5 offers there. And Sudarian's a very talented recruit. Des Kitchings was one of the first coaches to approach him back in the spring. That's his first visit to Virginia was for the spring game. He picked up his offer in October, and then they quickly kind of propelled from there and got him on on grounds for that first official visit weekend in December. And he's been silently committed since then, so it's been a while. So, and then he, you know, he still was hearing from other schools, but Virginia was able to keep him too. So, those are the top two recruits. But you know, if you go down the list, you know, and we're going to talk about some of the positions that they were able to gather, but you know, grabbing like a Miles Green out of Highland Springs, again, a school that you want to get into. These are the powerhouse programs mm -hmm. in the state that you want to have some representation. Virginia Tech obviously has always done a good job in that school to have a pipeline there. They've done a good job this year, but for Virginia to pick up Miles Green and hold on to him, that's a huge win. Kevin Downey, Coach Downing, defensive line coach, has done a good job on in this cycle, really identifying the players early and securing them just like Miles Green. And, you know, on especially in the defensive trenches, that was their strong suit in this class, picking up guys like St. Thomas Aquinas defensive tackle. Jason Hammond getting that pipeline Hammond. going, going to St. Thomas Aquinas, picking up a UVA legacy into Kai Kirby. These are all important recruits. It might not show up in the rankings because, again, we knew coming into the season 23 was going to be hard for the staff because they were coming in such late in the game, you know, when they were, everyone else was recruiting 23s, they were still trying to recruit 22s on the offensive line in January and February and trying to fix that class because Elliott came in so late. So they were a couple months behind. Now, 24 mm -hmm. is a different story. So this is why we're going to judge them more on 24, but they did a good job closing in on some of the guys and picking up some of the guys that can help for the future. We're creating pipelines to St. Thomas Aquinas, to Highland Springs, getting some of those in-state guys to remain like a Cameron Robinson, who was a very intricate, re integral recruit for the Cavaliers for as far as like getting commitments on board, but also getting presence in the South, getting into Georgia, mm -hmm. getting into Tennessee. Those were the talents are getting into Florida, getting into those private schools. Because I know a lot of people went after Bronco Mendenhall for going away from in state. 
And I get it. Mm -hmm. You want to recruit in-state well. But you also need to know which prep schools nationally to attack and create a pipeline. Uh, a national uh, a state champion contender like St. Thomas Aquinas is a no-brainer. If you're able Fort to get Lauderdale. a pipeline going there in Fort Lauderdale, you're going to want to go there because not only do you know that they produce NFL caliber athletes, but they also have athletes that have great academic standing because that's what UVA needs to find. These high academic special athletes and th those athletes live in schools like St. Thomas Aquinas. So again, UVA is starting to get those, those relationships going. And that's why some of these guys on this particular class might not have those showy numbers as far as rankings goes, but it's just the beginning. And a lot of them do have raw talent. as Well, well that's something that I was really uh, monitoring myself. I was, you know, trying to figure out, all right, you know, these young folks are coming up, these recruits are coming up, you know, where are they coming from? And like, like you said about Bronco, you know, he's a West Coast guy. So he was recruiting West Coast. He was rec recruiting, you know, the Polynesian uh, population as well, because that's what he's used to, uh, you know, out at BYU. But, you know, like you said, being in the South, being in the hotbed, going towards the panhandle as well. UVA has actually done well the last couple of years and uh, seems like they're still doing well in the South. So, uh, like you said, in addition to trying to uh, get your state uh, signed up, going to the South is another uh, way you also want to go to to get your recruits. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today to use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So yes, Jackie, uh, as you were saying, and as you were, you know, uh, laying it down, you know, and, and really kind of giving the blueprint, you know, the plan, um, you know, for this team, as far as bringing in high school, high schoolers, um, was there any offensive lineman? Because to me, I look at it as almost like a double duty, you know, to get offensive linemen, meaning it was a position, to my opinion, in my opinion, a position of weakness. And then you also needed to backfill with with talent. And we lost, you know, the entire line last year. Then we had three more guys transferring out. How are we looking, you know, as far as the offensive line, not before we get to the transfer portal, but from a uh, high school recruit uh, uh, field? Well, for, during high, for high school recruit, Virginia, from the start of this class, only wanted to bring in one offensive lineman. That's all they 
they had space for. They only had space for one offensive lineman, high school recruit. Now, if you look at it, they kind of stockpiled their O-line last year during the 22 cycle. They picked up plenty of offensive linemen. If you look, they had Dawson Alters. They had Houston Curry. They had Noah Demerit. Um, they had Mikhail Boley. Mikhail Boley, yeah. Yeah, they had several alignment commit during that period, and they also had John Paul Flores as a grad transfer. Obviously, he's in the portal right now. So again, they tried to fill a lot of the youngsters in the last class. So in this class, they only had spot for one freshman. And moving forward, they're in the 23, because they're still going to recruit 23 guys because they still have the February National Signing Day. You know, the numbers are pretty tight still on the O-line. Tony Elliott likes to have 15 linemen. Right now, he only has spots mm -hmm. for three more. So you're going to see him go for three more, and this is where they're going to get more experienced guys. So they're not going to recruit any high schoolers moving forward. They're going to recruit from the transfer portal. So his numbers are still pretty tight. I think a lot of people automatically assume that they're going to get more old linemen, and I've had so many fights on our message boards about this. I was like, no, there's not numbers for that many linemen. They, you know, For high schools, it was always just me, one lineman, and then in the portal now, they were waiting to see who would stay, who would go. We found out that Jonathan Leach and Derek Devine are transitioning away from football. Obviously, Logan Taylor has entered the portal. John Paul Flores has entered the portal. They picked up one offensive lineman in the portal. So they want to get more. You know, they, try, they probably want to get a tackle, a guard in the center moving forward. So maybe maybe two tackles. It's, it's Again, it's working those numbers, trying to figure out who's going to go where. Is Dawson Alter is going to be part of that center depth? how they pictured him before kind of seeing where he goes is no demerit going to be an offensive guard. So try to kind of see where those are because right now they picked up Cole Serber, the offensive lineman at Patriot high school. He was actually the first commit out of the 23 class and first mm -hmm. commit for Tony Elliott since his arrival. So Cole Serber and he stayed committed even after two J left a few weeks ago and poor Cole Serber had his official visit left on Sunday. And then a couple of hours later found out his O-line coach was no longer at the program. So he still remained committed, still committed to Tony Elliott, but he's going to be a guard. So moving forward now, they're trying to figure out which which positions they need. They're going to reevaluate the O-line, and I imagine they're going to offer a few more guys. They offered one in the portal yesterday, um, Tuesday night. So now, again, it's just trying to see who's, who's out there. But I don't, don't expect huge numbers on the O-line because even mm -hmm. though they want three more, Tony Elliott specifically said during his press conference that you have to still get the right guys. They're not going to push for three. So if they can't find three, they won't, they're going to be okay. That's, that's what he says. That's what he thinks. He, he's perfectly fine with what they're doing. So again, they're, he, it, it feels like he's okay with like between 13 and 15, 15 being ideal. Okay. Well, I can tell you, um, like you said, there's spaces for three uh, offensive linemen. And like you said, you know, getting guys who are, uh, field ready, you know, is, is definitely a, uh, it is, I think should definitely be a focus being that you lost three players who also had playing time. So as we talked about the, or, or as the advent of the NIL and the transfer portal, some folks, you know, are calling it the official beginning of college free agency. Let's just kind of jump into, uh, you know, the transfer portal as you were informing us on. So let's talk about who signed up, you know, what, players have committed to the University of Virginia? What schools are they from? Um, I know we had a few, and who else could possibly be on the way? So right now, Virginia has four transfer commitments. So you have uh, Northwestern wide receiver 
transfer Malik Washington. He's going to be a slot wide receiver. Um, then you have, uh, like I mentioned, Clemson running back Kobe Pace. He actually just committed on Tuesday night. Um, and then obviously quarterback Tony Musket. That's kind of the prize of the transfer class, as you would be. Mm-hmm. He's the, you know, uh, there's going to be competition at the quarterback position, but that's who you think is going to be QB1 heading into the spring. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, you know, from Monmouth, but he's actually a Virginia native. And then there's offensive tackle Dejon Parker, who committed again. He was had that official visit when TJ um, was the coach. And then on Sunday, TJ um, stepped down and went to NC State. He said he's still committed, but I will say Iowa is still circling and there's other schools still circling for him. Now, the one thing I want to note is these four players were announced by Virginia. And all, there's a misconception about what that means when it comes to transfer. So when it comes to high schoolers, when a school announces them on signing day, that's because they signed a national letter of intent. A national letter of intent means that the athlete is bound to that school. So they're stuck to that program. But a transfer does not have to sign a national letter of intent. Attend. What they have to sign is a grant and aid. Prior to early signing day, that was a big thing for high school prospects to sign a grant and aid so they can enroll early in January before an early signing day even existed. Andrew Brown was one of those prospects that did do that under the Mike London era. So what does that mean? Grant and aid means that the transfers are not bound to that program, but that program is bound to the transfers. So, or whatever the high school prospect, which means that Musket, Washington, Pace, and Parker technically are Virginia Cavaliers. They were announced. But because of new transit portal rules, they're able to visit another school between January 4th and January 8th. They're only locked into a program when they enroll. So they have till January 13th. That's the first day of enrollment at Virginia. They can enroll somewhere else technically. So I want to make sure people are aware that just because they were announced on Wednesday doesn't mean that they're completely locked in. Um, I think they're mostly solid commitment, like three out of the four. I'm perfectly fine. Dejon Parker, he says he's solid and I think he is pretty solid. But when you have Iowa, Vandy and a couple other schools talking to you, you're going to be monitoring him between January 4th and January 8th to make sure what's going on. Is he going to take another visit? Then Virginia is going to be doing that as well, because Virginia is going to want to have some visitors between January 4th and 8th because they still need guys. Like we mentioned, they're going to look for three offensive linemen. They also need to add at least two more corners. Their cornerback depth took a big hit. They lost Ventral Cepres to the portal, and obviously Anthony Johnson graduated. So they're looking for two more. They wanted four corners in this class between high school prospects and transfers, and they only picked up two. So they're going to want to add two more. So again, that's going to be for the transfer portal. So that's going to be the two positions that they're going to focus on, corner and offensive lineman moving forward. Obviously, you want to still recruit those transfer portal guys that you have, but also continue to recruit your own locker room because until January 18th, they're allowed to go into the transfer portal. So Tony Elliott has done a good job this go around of securing some of those guys to return. He announced in the press conference that Aaron Famui is going to take advantage of that extra eligibility that they were given. So is Cam Butler. Antonio Clary is coming back. Cohen King is coming back. Chico Bennett is coming back. Um, Who else is coming back? Grant Mish is coming back. Sackett Wood is coming Sackett back. Wood. Um, Hunter, and then Hunter Stewart's coming back. Josh Ahern's coming back. Yeah. And I think mo- that that's everybody that um, he announced was coming back. 
So that's a that's a good job for keeping those guys at home. Because again, with the transporter, you're also recruiting the locker room. You're constantly recruiting that locker room. So that's good news for Virginia. So right now, that that's your game plan if you're Virginia at the portal. You're recruiting your guys to remain. You're recruiting the portal guys that are currently committed to your program, but you're also recruiting the positions of need, which is O-line and corner. And you're also recruiting one wide receiver target at the moment because they also want to add one more wide receiver. And it's currently Eastern Kentucky wide receiver Jaden Higgins. He's one of their main targets at wideout. He visited last weekend. We've had him on commitment watch for a few days. Um, he's also mm-hmm. picked up more steam lately with a couple other other schools looking at him. So we're kind of we're we're kind of like, oh, should we take him off commitment watch because other schools are in it? But he was it was leaning towards Virginia quite heavily. So we're kind of monitoring that situation here. But so yeah, so one wide receiver, three alignment, two corners are probably your wish list if you're Virginia in the portal. So right now, uh, of course, we have. Uh, some all ACC players in the portal talking, uh, you know, or through their career. Brendan Armstrong, uh, Fentrell Cypress, Nick Jackson. Uh, is there any news on those? Because I don't think anyone from Virginia has committed to another school yet. Their names are just in the portal. Is there anyone, um, has any of the guys that are in the portal trans, uh, transferred to another school yet? Or is there the hope that maybe one in particular, I think Fentrell being, like a top five player on pretty much every recruiting uh, uh, business's board, uh, you know, being that, you know, there's no, no, no way he's coming back to Virginia. Maybe a Nick Jackson, which he's, um, you know, had actually, I guess, maybe has said that he's, he's open to coming back. You know, uh, of course, Brennan, he's gone, you know, and, and we understand why, but, you know, kind of fill us in a little bit on, the, on some of that information. Sure. So Ventrell Cypress is one that I get asked a lot about uh, because people would love to have Ventrell back. He's not coming back. He's he's being recruited and courted <laughs> by some of the best programs in the Ohio country. Ohio State. And, yeah. um, you know, he visited UCLA, I believe, last weekend. He was at Florida State this weekend, and Florida State feels very confident in where they are at with him right now. And, you know, like you said, Ohio State is another one that is really fighting for a visit. They're desperate for Ventrell to visit there. So he's not coming back. He wants to go to a program where he can get the national spotlight and uh, he can develop into an NFL player. So that, that I, is, his, his goal. I call that, I call that the Olu. He's doing the Olu. <laughs> he's doing the he's Olu. Doing right the Olu. So Ventro Cypress <laughs> is doing the Olu. Um, Nick Jackson is an interesting one because even when we, um, we kind of reported that he had intentions into the portal, then a few hours later he did. The source that told us that also said that, you know, what he said a couple hours later to the Richmond Dispatch is that that he's still open to coming back and he's open to possibly go into the NFL draft as well. He's got different options that he is weighing. Um, So that one is one that we can monitor a little bit. He did pick up a West Virginia offer. I haven't seen any movement of him visiting West Virginia, but that is a school that we know has offered him. Now, Brendan Armstrong is a interesting one because so he took two visits last week. He went to Oklahoma State and he also visited Wisconsin. Wisconsin reached out to him like Monday of last week with uh, the new head coach there. And then by Friday, they secured him. Now, they also picked up another quarterback commit, Nick Evers, um, also a you know transfer quarterback, but he's very young. So I think, you know, talking to people, what they had hoped was they pick up Evers for the future of the program and they pick up Brendan Armstrong. For the for, for the year, 
Um, but Brendan still hasn't made the decision yet. Those are the only two visits he's had. But then you throw in kind of a, a, a fun little twist here with Robert and I and Coach 2J at NC State. Does he go there um, to a system that he's obviously very familiar with? So that's who we were watching for Brennan. Um, like I said earlier, the transfer portal transfer guys aren't restricted to signing today, um, tomorrow, and the day after, where it's the early signing day period. They can sign literally whenever from now to like basically until they enroll in January. So basically, they, they just have to show up at the school the first day of classes. That's how you guarantee your spot. So, um, so those are the schools that we've heard from Brennan. Um, we had some heard some like earlier for Cincinnati. We had heard something like that. And obviously, he's an Ohio native, so you can see him going back home. But yeah, the, I, I don't see Brennan coming back. Nick Jackson, there's more of a possibility. And Vincent Stripus, I don't see coming back. So definitely be um, interesting to watch those three and where they end up. Well, I can tell you, uh, in the hearts of a lot of Wahoo fans are hoping that we have all of them. But, you know, we can get one out of three. You know, that would have to be satisfactory. Uh, based off of, you know, what we have coming in uh, this year. So now let's talk about some uh, players who could potentially come to University of Virginia that maybe not on uh, everyone else's radar or information that you're privy to, you know, who could possibly make it to University of Virginia that no one is really thinking about right now? Well, that's the hard part of covering this staff. So this staff does not extend a wide net of offers if you have mm -hmm. an offer you're committing you're you, it's a committable offer right there and then for instance when they were looking for corners and safeties they basically said these are our only safety options these are all in corner after that. if you have an offer you commit so right now they have two cornerbacks with a current offer they have jj roberts from wake forest and you have alex washington from harvard those are their two cornerback targets those are their two top targets so those two have committable offers. So if those two decide to go somewhere else, they go down the list to the next one. So like Tariq Funderburg from Richmond, although he's trending to App State. So he's he's talked to UVA, but he's know that UVA is only possibly going to reach out after the holiday break when the dead period is lifted. So it's kind of like a gamble. He might commit to App State, which honestly is from North Carolina. So I get it. He wants to go play closer to home. And App State's a good program. He's one of their former Richmond coaches is now their cornerbacks and defensive passive coordinator. So he's familiar with them as well. So that is how Virginia approaches it. And a lot of it is they evaluate these athletes. So like Justin Sparrows and the scouting team finds these athletes. They evaluate them. They pass it along to the coaches. A lot of these coaches were on the road a lot. Like, my goodness, I think Coach 2J before he left to go to NC State was in five different states in one day. Same goes with Coach Elliott. So they're jumping off going from high school prospect to transfer portal. They see these guys in person, and then they have to evaluate if they get an offer. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get moved down the list, and then they go, okay, this one's in person and we don't want right now. So it, it's it's a long, long, long process. And it's that's where I was telling you it's a little more about detective work to figure out where they are on the board. So it's mm -hmm. hard to pinpoint, apart from, like for example, Jaden Higgins, we know – that things are moving forward in that direction because we've confirmed he visited. We knew he was visiting last weekend. We knew the process. So a lot of it is you kind of follow what's going on in the portal. Like they just offered um, this offensive lineman um, out of Southern Utah, Christy Nakano. Uh, he told me that he wants to visit Virginia in January, but he also named four other schools 
that also he wants to visit in January. Obviously, he can't visit four schools in four days when one of the school in the West Coast and one school is in the East Coast, and it's not possible. So he's mm-hmm. going to trim down his list. So that's what Virginia is dealing with. It's it's that trying to try to balance not offering too light so they can get a visit and trying to evaluate these portal guys in person and also figuring out if they have the credits necessary to make it into UVA because that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks that they've had in the transfer portal and has actually negated a few of their targets because it's not about GPA. I think a lot of people think, oh, he's from Yale. He's able to get in here. He's from Stanford or Notre Dame because they're high academic institutions. It's because of credits. So that's why they usually only go for grad transfers. They have to go into the graduate program and that's how they get accepted or those that are really early in the process of your university degree out of the first year, preferably the first year or the second year, because the main problem that UVA has is matching the classes that they come from a different program for different school and matching the credits at UVA. So if you, so you can possibly lose half of your credits bringing in from another program, which means you're in danger of becoming ineligible by the NCAA and then you're kicked off the team. So mm-hmm. you're basically bringing a kid in for failure, which is what happened to Philip Sims during his time period at Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard, it's really hard on Virginia to recruit transfers. That's why when a lot of people say like Virginia should just recruit the portal, I say, no, you cannot rely on the portal if you're the Virginia Cavaliers because you just don't have that much of a pool to kind of recruit from. So you can do band-aid approach. Like Virginia was very efficient the last two seeds, two cycles to see where they need to fill ho. It's a great band-aid approach, but long-term high school is still your blood of your program. So your bloodline of the program to develop those athletes. So again, it's transfer portal for Virginia is really, really tough. So, so like, even like, for example, Taiwan Francis, he was one that they were recruiting since October, but unfortunately it didn't work out that he couldn't make it in to Virginia. So again, it's just, it's a lot of different things that Virginia needs to do. So I can name you a name today. And by the time someone listens to this podcast on Friday, that person's off the board already. I don't know how many times I've updated. We have a transfer portal tracker that's on our uh, tag, like kind of pinned on our board. I've updated that portal tracker maybe 10 times since December 5th, because you hear about a guy they're vetting and then they're no longer on the board after they've gone through the vetting process because either mm. their academics are not lining up or they go in there and they don't like their measurables or they're like, actually, he's on our board, but this guy is more. For example, Tony Musket, they had a couple uh-huh. quarterbacks ahead of him at that point. But then when they saw Tony Musket, he went number one. That was pretty quick. That was that was, I will mm-hmm. say as soon as Tony they offered Tony Musket, they saw him, he automatically went up and a lot of the older quarterbacks that I heard they were vetting moved down the list quite quickly. So kind of like that. It's 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 really is the meticulous process that this staff works through. Well, Tony Young also kind of made a reference of uh, National Signing Day is almost like the draft. He wants to build through the draft, and that's where they are. And of course, the recruiting, the uh, the national or the transfers are more like free agents. So you know, this is what we're here for, guys. And that's what she does. That's Jackie giving you the knowledge. Uh, filling you in on what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to recruiting for the Virginia Cavaliers. 
Jackie, let them know how they can get with you. Let them know how they can get some of your exclusive VIP content as well. You got to get on, everybody, because you'll be more informed and you'll sound smarter than everybody that you know. Sure. Yeah, you can obviously find me on wahoos247.com. It's, uh, you know, if you want to kind of join in and you can get a free trial and see what kind of VIP content we have. Um, we try to really focus in on getting the inside scoop behind the program. Uh, we, we try to give you a good idea of what's going on behind the scenes. You know, one of my favorite things to do after National Signing Day in February is kind of going behind the curtain. So I give you a little glimpse of some tidbits that happened during the recruitment and, you know, what exactly happened with Cayman Robinson when Florida State official visit, those type of things, because those are kind of fun things that um, I think fans really appreciate. But also you get to know the athletes as well. Um, that's one of the things that I, I, I like to do is so that you know the student athletes because they're people, not just players. So you get to know who they are and um, get to know their personalities, especially the commits and recruits, you know, because they're high schoolers and they're going through this process or 17, 18 year old. Sometimes we talk to them when they're 15 and get them their first uh, power of five offer. So um, that's what we do. And um, so you can find me on Wahoo's 24 seven at Jackie Fran underscore on Twitter and then um, you can also find me on YouTube because we also have the good old podcast. So uh, there's a lot of different ways you can hear about um, Virginia football. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming on and we have to do this more often, you know, because there's just so much information out there. And then, of course, we got some basketball to catch up on as well. Yes, it's been a I will say having that Virginia Miami game uh, starting at 830 and then not only going to bed till one, two in the morning and having that 5 a.m. wake up call for those first uh, national letters of intent rolling in at seven. It's been a, it's a whirlwind 24 hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Not to mention the girls play tonight at 12 and 0 against Duke. So that's right. That's another one we got to monitor, but everybody, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we will be, well, I will be back tomorrow morning and we'll get Jackie back on here so she can educate us some more, but we want to thank you for making locked on Virginia your first listen today. Now make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Pete Butowski brings the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back. And wahoo -wah. Let's go, guys. <laughs>